0: All right, we are on the last part of <laughs> Three Below, the last day. Miss Sparks and Mr. Yancey, overcome with the sight of what was happening to the Whippet Hotel, had la- let the clock tick past midnight without even contemplating their transaction. They'd marveled as the levels turned round and round, wondering what it could possibly mean. Then they'd seen the top of the Whippet Hotel rise into the air Carried away in the night sky. An argument between two greedy people then had broken out. It's worth a little less now, don't you think, Mr. Yancey said. I mean, with the missing floor and all. What will we do if it rains? There's no roof. And there must be something structurally damaged after all that spinning. Taxes are taxes, you buffoon, Ms. Sparks said. We are going to rip it down anyway. Now, It will just be easier. Still, it's one less floor, Mr. Yancey persisted. He was a slave to his real estate sensibilities. That has to count for something. One would think. Are you deliberately ignoring me? Miss Sparks asked. We are going to knock it over anyway. Now we'll have less rubble to deal with. It's a bonus. Mr. Yancey had begun to dial his phone in search of his lawyer when Jane Yancey came running out with Lupa, the monkey. She placed the monkey in a toy stroller and had dressed her in doll clothes. Daddy, this pet is sick. All it does is sleep. Lupa had eaten 12 cupcakes given to her by Jane Yancy, so she did have a stomachache. I'm busy right now, Jane. You'll have to wait. But I don't want to wait. This is important. While Jane Yancy was throwing a fit, The long-stay guests, Captain Rickenbacker, Lillian Pompadour, and Theodore Bump, moved a little closer. So did Nancy Yancey and Mr. Phipps, who had been listening but acting as though they were not. They'd all come streaming out of the hotel as if they'd figured out it was spinning in circles and were gathering, and the gathering crowd did not suit Miss Sparks one bit. Mr. Yancey! she shouted. Let us complete our transaction, shall we? Mr. Yancey, sensing the opportunity slipping out of his hands, looked at his wife. She nodded, get on with it, and he took a sealed envelope from the jacket of his $3,000 suit. Jane Yancey was stomping around her toy stroller yelling, sick monkey, sick monkey, over and over again with her arms crossed over her chest and a scowl on her face. It's a floor short of a hotel, but all right. My sealed bid is in the envelope, Mr. Yancey said. Miss Sparks was beaming. She lifted her long fingers out toward the prize, thinking of a wrecking ball swinging in the air toward the Whippet Hotel. "That won't be necessary," someone said as fast as lightning or so it seemed. A receipt was placed in Miss Sparks' outstretched hand. "Mr. Carp," Miss Sparks said. "He was flanked on one side by Dr. Flart and on the other side by Ingrid." Dr. Flart hadn't been out of the dungeon in years. He was as pale as a ghost, wearing his mad scientist white jacket. Ingrid's eyes zeroed up on Jane Yancey, who had suddenly gone very quiet. And Mr. Carp, who had given Miss Sparks the receipt, was covered in grease from his thick mustache all the way down to his grimy shoes, like he'd been fixing gears for hours, which, in fact, he had been. "'Give me back my monkey,' Ingrid said. She was shorter than Jane Yancey, but no one stood between Ingrid and one of her animals. Jane was too terrified to speak and backpedaled into her mother's arms. When Ingrid had Lupa in her arms, she smiled gently down at her and then turned on Jane Yancey. You never dress a monkey or give it treats. Understood? Jane nodded fast, leaning into her mother, who was mortified. See, Dr. Bump mumbled to... Lillian Pompadour, I told you there was a monkey in the hotel.' "'Not any more there's not.' "'Ingrid had gotten what she'd come for "'and turned on a dime marching back in the direction of the lobby. "'Dr. Flart,' she said over her shoulder, "'will I be seeing you soon?' "'There was a certain something in her voice that made Dr. Flart blush. "'I believe my duties are about to change,' he said. "'You'll be seeing me again.' (laughs) Dr. Carp leaned low. Sorry, Mr. Carp leaned down low and whispered to Captain Rickenbacker into his ear. Lovebirds. They're all very slow about their business, though. They've been close to holding hands for about seven years. Remarkable, Captain Rickenbacker replied. What is the meaning of this? Miss Sparks yelled. She could feel the wheels coming off of her plan, but didn't know what to do. It was all so confusing. Miss Sparks, Mr. Carp said. You hold in your hand a copy of the receipt, showing full payment of taxes to the great state of New York. The Whippet Hotel is, in fact, more than a year ahead on its payments as of earlier this evening. I'm afraid the auction will not be taking place. But that's impossible! We had a deal, you little sea urchin! Dr. Flart was the one person in the group tall enough to look down on Miss Sparks. She even towered over... He even towered over her beehive hairdo. He stepped between Mr. Carp and Miss Sparks and leaned down, staring at her through his thick glasses. Why is this hideous man staring at me? Miss Sparks asked, but nobody was answering her. Claudius purred against Miss Sparks' legs, startling her. Hello, cat, Dr. Flart said, picking up Claudius and petting him with great enthusiasm. Claudius tried to squirm free, but it was no use. I've been looking everywhere for you. Sorry about that, Mr. Karp said. You and were out, and I needed a little something to sell the idea. Have I got an experiment for you, Dr. Flart said, which made Claudius go wide-eyed with concern. Dr. Flart wandered off down to the lobby, happy to have his cat, and returned to back to his very important work. Over his shoulder, he said, Breakfast tomorrow, Carl? I have something new to show you. I thought you might, Dr. Karp answered. "'Sorry, Mr. Carp answered. I wouldn't want to miss it.' Miss Sparks was staring, starting to back away towards the gate, for she knew she would once again been defeated. She couldn't quite understand how or why, but she was sure her plans had failed. When she heard, from way up high in the sky, a wild and whimsical laugh that only Mergenzer D. Whippet could make. "'This is not over!' she said, turning for the gate. "'Not even close! I will prevail!' She's so much fun to have around, Captain Rickenbacker said. Never a dull moment. True. So true, Mr. Phipps said. Shall we work on the puzzle and have a root beer? And then some pinball. Might I join you? Miss Pompadour asked. Me too, Theodore Bump piped in. I haven't felt like writing a novel tonight. There's magic in the air. And with that, Captain Rickenbacker, Mr. Phipps, and the others were moving off. Mr. Yancey was on the phone, calling for a limo to take his family away and ignoring Jane complaining about her missing monkey. They too moved off together in search of an expensive restaurant to make themselves feel better. Mr. Carp stood alone on the grounds of the Whippet Hotel, staring up at the sky where a blimp was moving quietly and secretly to places unknown to him. He took a key guard, card out of his pocket with his greasy hand and talked into it. All finished up here, he said, taxes paid, hotel at rest, gears stopped once again. You've done it all very well, Mergenzer answered. You are, without a doubt, a man of many talents. Thank you, sir. It was a little touch and go there at the end. Tell Remy I found the note from the governor where he dropped it. It's all taken care of. Mr. Carp could hear Remy whooping and hollering in the background. Can I return to my work? Mr. Carp asked. Some problems down there. Of course, Murgenser said, and keep an eagle eye on the things in the hotel for another week, won't you? I have a need of Leo and Remy. Big things. Big things. Mr. Karp grinned and said that he would. He looked once more into the night sky, waved, and began walking toward his true home. Oh, yes, he's brilliant, Murgenser said. They were far above the city, moving silently below the clouds. One of my best men. So, Mr. Carp works for you? Remy asked. He was still terribly confused, trying to piece it all together. Oh, they all do. But Mr. Carp is my favorite. You might say he's my underground wingman. Mr. Powell, at the wheel of the blimp, winked at Leo. Mergenser is the only fellow I know who needs two wingmen, one above ground and one below. I'm terribly forgetful about taxes and bills. I have no idea why, Mergenzer said. It's the strangest thing. Anywho, Miss Sparks is aware of my shortcomings, and she knew I'd forget. Knew I'd... And she knew how to manipulate the system, too. By the time George reminded me for the ninth time, it was too late. Too dangerous. I had to bring in Mr. Karp. He seems so... I don't know. Leo tried to find the words... Harmless, I guess? Mr. Powell laughed, turning the blimp right to the right as he did. You wouldn't believe it's true, but he built the Realm of Gears, mergenser said. And most of the hotel, too, Mr. Powell added. He did not, Remy said. He simply couldn't believe someone as drab and boring as Mr. Carp could be so smart and resourceful. Oh, but he did, Murgenser said, and he's quite good at playing the part of a tax agent as well. The role was tailor-made for Mister Carl Karp, (laughs) said Mr. Powell. He was perfect. Betty flew up from the roof and landed on the ledge of the cab, honking. I do love my ducks, Merdinser said, fishing around in his pocket for a treat. It would be nice to have them with me again. Why in the world did you pull the top of your hotel off? Remy asked. Remy was a great question asker. Everyone agreed. and one of the ducks with me, so there's that, Mergenser said, but it's so much more. You see, I'm working on something big, the biggest. Huge, Mr. Powell added. And I knew the day would come when I'd need my books and my plans and my notes. You mean your library? Leo asked, ready for what they were carrying for really, that's what they were carrying across the sky. Precisely. The library, but not just the library. Something else, too. What? Leo asked. Why I needed you, of course, he said, putting one arm around Remy and the other around Leo. Leo and Remy smiled and looked at each other. For whatever reason, they'd been hand-picked by Mergenzerdy Whippet to own the hotel, travel through its many rooms and secret places, and fly across the sky in the middle of the night. Oh, Leo said, remembering what he'd... That he had one more item for Mergenzer, something he'd asked for. Leo fished the iron box out of his maintenance overalls and held it out. "Is the rye?" W- mm, let me try that again. "Is the wyro inside?" Mergenser asked, awed and delighted. "See for yourself," Leo said, tossing it into the air and allowing Mergenzer to catch it. Light as a feather, Mergenser me- marveled, and safely strapped inside with duct tape. I wish I'd invented that one. "'So does Mr. Flart. Dr. Flart,' Remy said. "'Well,' Mergenser replied, smiling with deep satisfaction. "'This calls for a toast.' Mergenzer tossed the iron box to Mr. Powell, who regarded it with something bordering on dangerous and volatile. He gently placed it in a basket under the steering wheel and sighed with relief. Leo was happy that the hotel was still his, and more importantly, that it was safe.' He was excited about the adventure under the hotel that he and Remy were a part of. He was glad Miss Sparks he was glad Miss Sparks, at least for one night, was not a threat. But he'd been wanting to ask something else, and so he finally did. Where are we going, Mergenser de Whippet? Mergenser gray- gazed out over the city below, shimmering with lights, he knelt down and turned away from Leo and Remy, opening a small refrigerator. When he turned back around, he had four bottles of Flart's Fizz in his hands. Flart's Fizz, Remy said. Oh man, I didn't get, I hope I don't get a dud. Mergenser handed out the bottles and they all popped the tops at the same time. My last four bottles, Mergenser said, and then he made a toast to the field of wacky inventions where anything is possible. They all agreed at once to the field of wacky inventions, and then they drank and burped and laughed. Leo would soon find that by anything, merchants are really meant anything. Some of these things were scary, like genetically altered 12 foot chickens. Some were dangerous. The electric eel ponds, for one, were a terrible hazard and some Mergenzer had lost complete control of. Things that went bump in the night especially, and had become especially difficult to manage. Troubles were mounting far below, waiting to be had. But on that one night, burping like sailors as they moved unseen across the city, all was well in the world of Leo, Remy, and Mergenzer D. Whippet. And we are done with three below. The next story is... Floors 3, The Field of Wacky Inventions, and I believe that is the final book. I hope you enjoyed this one, and you've got two more weeks, but I hope you have a great summer.